Michael Anderson is the CEO and Chief Investment Officer at Maranatha Financial. Due to industry regulations, he will not discuss any of Maranatha's investments on this program. All opinions expressed by participants on this program are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Maranatha Financial or its affiliates. For more information, visit Maranatha.com. for Big Money in the 805 with your host, Michael Anderson. Michael always works in his client's best interest when it comes to their financial life and future. To reach Michael, go to Maranatha.com. And now, here's your host for Big Money, Michael Anderson. Big Money in the 805 with Michael Anderson brought to you by Spanish Hills Country Club. Taste the elegance, golf, athletic, and social memberships. Visit SpanishHillsCC.com or call Cindy 805-388-5000. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We're talking about education and how the education system supports our community. We have a superintendent of schools for the Ventura County Office of Education joining us, and we're going to dive into that in just a moment. We're also talking about the third principle of personal finance, which is future planning. Are you someone that worries about the future or are you more worried about your plans today? We're going to discuss future planning and how to have a healthy outlook on future planning in today's two-minute drill. Last week, we spoke about discipline and how our culture needs to keep sight of the idea that income must exceed expenses. You can't be out YOLOing, that is, telling yourself you only live once and then buying everything in sight. We coined the term IME. Income must exceed expenses. The point that I want to make regarding discipline with your finances is that you want to be aware of being aware. It's not a staunch black and white hardline approach, but it's simply being aware that you're being aware of how you spend, save, and earn money. I want to take a moment to ask you for some of your insight. If you have a worthy local nonprofit that you would like to highlight on this show, or if you have a question for the mailbag, please send them in. You can contact us at maranatha.com. That's M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com. This week's interview is brought to you by AllocationLink.com, investment management that is smart, low cost, and accessible by all, AllocationLink.com. I'm here with Stan Mantooth. He's the superintendent of schools for the Ventura County Office of Education. He's a leader in our community, and he's part of the Alliance for Regional Collaboration to heighten support for educational success. You can learn more or connect to this group by going online to vcp20.org. That's vcp20.org. Stan, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you're doing great things here with education in our community. You've been here for a while now, and I wanted to uh, talk about the Regional Alliance and the VCP20 here in a moment. But first, let's start with you. So what, what is your background? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What type of student were you? Okay. <laughs> well, I'm a native Southern Californian. Uh, I actually went to school K-12 in the Los Angeles Unified School District. Uh, moved on to Cal State Northridge for my undergraduate degree, and then uh, after a few years working on the support side of education, uh, took a, a master's uh, MBA from Pepperdine University. 
And, and what type of student would you say that, that you were back then? I think I'm reflective of Ventura County. I was a better than average student, just like our educational systems are a little better than average. Okay, good deal. Very good. Well, let's jump into education. So what's exciting about education here in Ventura County today? Can you give us an overview, maybe some highlights? Well, uh, how many hours do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, in general, uh, our schools are doing really well. Um, we've got a very vibrant mix of diversity in all of our schools, and our test scores continue to improve and be all, also consistently above the state average. But even more important for us is our dropout rates are going down and our graduation rates are going up, even at a time when our English learner populations and our special needs populations are actually increasing. So I think I think we're doing a good job of getting the job done, but it doesn't happen overnight. Interesting. Good. Very good. Well, let's let's jump into the VCP20. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an exciting collaboration, and many people have never heard of it. Uh, so I want to share with our listeners. Let's start with what is the VCP20? Okay. Well, before I get I, I, I say more, I need to set the stage by indicating that the educational continuum is not just kindergarten through 12th grade. It's from early education all the way through college and career. And one of the reasons that we formed the group, P meaning preschool, 20 being, uh, you know, uh, the graduation from college, uh, that's where the term comes from, to make sure that all of the entities along the way, whether it be higher education, whether it be community college, uh, Ventura County First Five and preschools, are all talking to one another and uh, articulating our mission so that we can leverage the very best for our students. Neat. Very. That's. I, I think it's a great platform as mm-hmm. far as uh, it makes sense to have a group like that come together. And uh, what? So, what is it that you guys do? How do you come together? And and, okay. and kind of what? What is the projects that you guys do? Yeah. Well, we're really an umbrella organization for a plethora of grants. We've uh, probably um, uh, mostly in the STEM disciplines, science, technology, engineering, and math, and in career uh, education programs, we've got over $100 million in grants that reside under the umbrella of the P-20. But the P-20 is not comprised solely of educators. Um, We have other perspectives, too, people from nonprofits, uh, county government, uh, elected officials, and the media are all part of that group, what we call the core council. Interesting. Very cool. I think that's maybe something people don't realize, and and they want to be more involved with education, the idea of the community and business community be involved with education, but sometimes they don't know how. So would this be a platform for them to come and try and learn more or check it out online or get involved? Is it, would you say that's a, a good way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the reality is most people are plugged into education through their local community school. And uh, to learn more about the, you know, the global uh, perspective of education, I would invite everyone who's listening to tell their friends to check the website and see what we're doing. And um, the website is, which website is that? It's at, it's www.vcp20.org. Okay, okay, great. Yeah, I... and it's even got a connection for businesses to register and connect with the group because we have a very strong focus on uh, what students are going to do once they get out of school, which is take the jobs of tomorrow. 
Fantastic. The the program the that you guys recently did, I think it was four or five years ago, the VC Innovates grant. Mm-hmm. Did that fall under that program? How has that worked out? And what what maybe you can highlight what that was? Sure. Um, actually, it's called a Career Pathways grant, and there were two cycles of that grant. Um, and between our office, the Community College District, and the Oxnard Union High, Sc- High School District, we were able to uh, be awarded almost thirty million dollars which is specifically for career pathways programs, a different way to kind of ignite a student's passion in things which are more hands-on than just uh, your typical book learning that you get in school. So uh, everything from robotics to manufacturing, uh, aeronautical engineering, and um, to be able to touch literally thousands of students first at the high school level, and with the second phase of the grant, we're drilling down to middle school students because we think that's a good time for kids to be making choices. Sometimes when you're in high school and you're getting close to graduating, it might be a little too late. That's um, that's a good point. Uh, let's jump into one of the projects you do with VCP20. I was looking at the website, and you have this project called VC STEM. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, and as the acronym implies, it is a it's it's a uh, motivator for uh, emphasis on all of those disciplines in our schools, and connecting with businesses and na- uh, the naval base as well, to get kids excited about science and to be the engineers and scientists of the future. Interesting, and you also have a, pro- a program called the College Commitment Program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, share share with us the details of that. Yeah, it's it's sometimes we call it uh, in some iterations the Promise Program, and it is a commitment that we ask students to make when they're in high school, and for them to follow a course of study, a specific course of study. Sometimes we say we call it Get Focused, Stay Focused, and it will allow them to have uh, free tuition and entry into community college, and guaranteed transfer to our four-year university, Cal State Channel Islands. And we just started piloting that with Oxnard College uh, this past year. That sounds like a good program. And is it doing well? Would you say you're getting a lot of traction with it? We are. We are. There's a tremendous amount of interest. And the other um, a group that we want to capture, not uh, besides the students, are their parents. Because that we've seen that what happens in the family dynamic and with the support of parents, students do so much better. And we know that a lot of these kids have siblings, too. And if they embrace a college-going culture, then that's going to have a generational effect. Let's take a a pivot over to another side, which is um, the foundation side, fundraising. And schools nowadays, it seems like they don't quite have enough money to do everything they want to do. And I'm, I'm on the board with the Ventura Education Partnership. It's the fundraising arm for Ventura Unified School District. And I think other districts have these foundations or ways that the community can support the schools. How important are these for schools nowadays? They're critical. Um, to say that uh, we are underfunded in public education is a gross uh, understatement. Um, And most of the larger school districts here in the county uh, have foundations similar to the Ventura Education Partnership. 
and we rely upon groups like that, just like we do with PTAs and other groups that do fundraisers, to provide money for uh, sometimes added value positions, like a music teacher at the elementary school or an arts program, uh, or for uh, you know one-time expenditures like supplies in our chemistry uh, science classrooms. Um, and we absolutely have to have money like that to add value for our kids. There just isn't enough to go around. Well, let's talk about some personal finance stuff. This is a personal finance show, and and mm-hmm. uh, or we can just talk about financial stuff. Many students here in Ventura and in the 805, after school, they end up moving away to another state or another community outside of the area, and they say it's too hard to buy a house here. Uh, what, what's your take on this? Well, it, it is expensive to live in paradise. Right, right. And yet it's a sword that cuts two ways. Sometimes when you have someone who's grown up in the area, they have the wherewithal to stay in the area. So I think you'll see some, you know, uh, of our students that are able to stay in the county and be productive here. But you're absolutely right. Some need to to kind of leave the nest, go elsewhere where that where it's more affordable. And then as they're living their lives, one of the things that we could do a better job of is probably teaching what we call financial literacy. Hmm. They take economics in uh, high school, but and and that's a little bit higher level than just balancing a checkbook. Um, we don't actually have coursework like that per se. I know a lot of our financial institutions tend to help out with that, but uh, that kind of grounding is something, of course, that ideally happens in the home, um, but we could do a little bit better job of it in our schools as well. Yeah, and that that's a good segue into kind of the schools and how financial education is taught in schools. I remember my economics class, and uh, I think it was one semester, my senior year. But some people say that education doesn't do a very good job of teaching financial literacy in school. And I've read on this, and researchers say it's actually very hard to teach education, financial education, because it's not always practical to the student. It's not relevant yet. Like, for example, it's hard to teach a kid about taxes when they don't have any income. They don't do taxes. So, I mean, what do you think the best approach is for trying to teach financial literacy? Exactly. And it it, it is, in in many students' minds, it's just theoretical because they're not actually doing it in the real world, um, you know, like their parents are. Um, I, I think, um, again, that sort of thing can, also, can, can be very um, powerfully reinforced at home uh, with kids learning lessons about saving early on. Um, and uh, we could infuse, as I said, a little bit more of that practical uh, side of things here in our, in our coursework in our schools. The final question I wanted to end with was the idea of adult education. I know there's a big push um, with adults going back to school for either skills or just interest in learning. And, and I, I, I noticed that in, in what I'm seeing. But I, from the educational side, what, what, what's the data or what is the feeling that you see as far as adult education and, and how can people get more involved uh, as an adult with learning? Mm-hmm. Well, we actually have a uh, countywide adult education consortium that all of the uh, school districts with high schools are part of. Um, and the very motto of our organization is commitment to quality education for all and for lifelong learning. Um, it just doesn't stop when you get out of school. And as fast as the world moves and evolves, you have to always be learning. 
I agree. That's very well said. I well, also think that, Mike, a lot of the jobs that we see now that are being done by human beings will be automated, and people will be forced one way or another to be retraining themselves and acquiring new skills as the future unfolds. Yeah, can you give us some insight on that? What are the areas you think will be the strongest for growth, or what are the areas we're focusing on now to try and train adults and students um, to be relevant with kind of the changing economy? Yeah, uh, most of it's in the technology sector. Um, we're starting to teach kids as early as elementary school how to code, uh, program computers. Uh, we'll, you, you'll never have enough of those people. And particularly as we move into uh, a future that involves artificial intelligence, to augment our artificial intelligence and let it be our servant instead of our master is going to require a lot more uh, investment in the high-tech world. Well, this is good information. Stan Mantooth, Superintendent, Ventura County Office of Education. Thank you so much for being on the program. And if you want to get more information, connect with the VCP20. You can go online to visit that website, which is vcp20.org. Thank you so much, Stan. Have a great day today. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Get ready to take some notes. It's time for the two-minute drill with Michael Anderson on Big Money in the 805. Two-minute drill. Grab a piece of paper and a pencil. It's time for today's two-minute drill. Brought to you by Geico Local Office, car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. You could save up to 15%. Call 805-487-7847. Geico Local Office. Today's two-minute drill is the principle of future planning. Are you someone that lives for today? Or are you someone that plans for tomorrow? Oprah, Oprah Winfrey has a quote that says, you can't have everything and do everything all together at the same time. I think every married couple can relate to this. Typically, we see one spouse that lives for today while the other spouse tries to plan for tomorrow. So I want to ask you this question. Which mentality resonates most with you? Are you the live for today spouse or are you the plan for tomorrow spouse? Now, neither is more right or wrong, but let's just talk about them for a moment. The live for today person says things like, hey, honey, let's go out for dinner tonight. Or when are we getting that new car? Or they might say, I want to go on another vacation again soon. When are we doing that? Now, these aren't all bad things. I don't want to put a negative view on this, but t typically the live for today mentality will really value the idea of making memories as a family. Now, this is a nice thing, making memories. And the good thing about it is it doesn't always have to cost a lot of money to make good memories. Let's talk about the other one, the plan for tomorrow person. They say things like, how much did you spend at the store today? Did we really need to buy that? Why not wait? Why not buy the generic brands? Or they might say, let's not eat out today. It's cheaper to stay home. Typically, a plan for tomorrow mentality will value the idea of being safe and prepared. They have a very clear picture of the difference between a want and a need. You'll want to remind this mentality of good deals that you've found or help them to see the true value of the things you've purchased. To bring this all together today, I want you to have this perspective. The goal is balance. It helps to know what you are, helps to know what your spouse is, and we each need to work on finding this out for ourselves. 
Having a balanced approach to living for today and planning for tomorrow is the harmonious spot where we all want to be. Today's principle is future planning, finding a balance in living for today and planning for tomorrow. If you want additional guidance on this or if you want to connect with me directly, go to marinantha.com. That's M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com. Check out our on-track package, marinantha.com. Now it's time for the Nonprofit Spotlight with your host, Michael Anderson, on Big Money in the 805. Nonprofit Spotlight. Here is a local group we want you to know about. Nonprofit Spotlight. Brought to you by Pierpont Racket Club, serving Ventura since 1977. Get your 30-day pass online. Visit PierpontRC.com. Today's Nonprofit Spotlight is being done by Andy Taylor. He's a student at UCSB, interning with us over the summer. Andy, take it away, bud. This week's nonprofit spotlight is dedicated to the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Ventura. This local nonprofit works to provide a positive place to help young people become healthy, responsible, confident, and productive members of the community. For decades, the Boys and Girls Club has been helping youth reach their full potential through programs supporting academic success, character development, healthy lifestyles. If you'd like to get involved or learn more about the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Ventura, visit their website at bgclubventura.org. The other note I'll make about the golf tournament for the Boys and Girls Club, they have a fundraiser. It's a golf tournament on August 14th at Satakoy Country Club. I'm playing in this, and they really need the community's support this year. So they have a six-person scramble or a two-person shamble, and there's something for everyone. And if you've ever thought about supporting the Boys and Girls Club, now's a great time because a $100 donation to the Boys and Girls Club will get you a 1 in 200 chance to win $5,000 or a golf trip to Pebble Beach. So the drawing is going to take place after the golf tournament on August 14th. And for more information to support the Boys and Girls Club of Ventura, you can call the club at 805-641-5585. You're tuned in to Big Money in the 805 with Michael Anderson. Now it's time for Michael to go to the mailbag and answer some questions from listeners. Mailbag, we answer your questions about money, Wall Street, and local issues. Brought to you by AllocationLink.com. Investment management that is low cost, smart, and accessible by all. AllocationLink.com. Our first question from the mailbag comes from Ward in Camarillo. He asks, what kind of fixed income investments do you recommend now in the rising interest rate environment? Fixed income investments in a rising interest rate environment, always a tricky time, Ward. I mean, we've seen this over the last five years. I've been watching people. They're thinking that rates are going to rise, and so they do a one-year certificate of deposit at the bank for 1%. You do that five years in a row. Over the course of those five years, 1% each year, you've earned a total of 5%. Five years ago, had you had a different approach, which was staggering out the certificate of deposit, or just doing a longer one, say a five-year at 2%, each year you would have got 2%, you would have earned 10% in total for those five years. So doubling your return. I guess the approach that I want to say in a rising rate environment, you're going to want to stagger out. So you'll have some longer dated CDs or bonds or things like that. But the risk is always that rising interest rates will rise too fast and you'll feel like you're losing out. It's a tricky time, but I like the idea called laddering, which is staggering out and varying your investments in fixed income vehicles. The next question comes from Sylvia and Reseda. Where do I start? 
I don't have any debt, but I don't know if I should save for a house or save for retirement or wait to save. I'm confused. Please help. Well, Sylvia, starting out, it's always a confusing time. We're not sure which we should be doing first and if we're doing it right or wrong. On my website, I do have a piece that's called Five Milestones, and I think this is where everyone should start. It starts with saving. You want us to just save $500. Just get $500, save that. That's a rainy day amount of money in case your car breaks down and the refrigerator isn't working right in the same week. You want to have a little money accessible. So that's the first step. Next step, get out of debt. You don't have debt. That's great. Next step, save for retirement. The next step would be save for the home. The good thing when you're saving for retirement, you can often use some of that money for purchasing a home. So you're kind of doing that in order. I'd take a look at that five milestones. You can go to my website, marinantha.com, get a copy of that blog post. That'll put you in the right direction. Good luck, Sylvia. Our last question comes from George in Oxnard. He says, the stock market has gone up too high. I'm worried that it'll be coming down. How much higher will the market go before coming down? Well, George, I wish I knew the answer to that question, as does everybody. Obviously, nobody has a crystal ball here. What we look at in terms of the market and how it works and historically what it does, a lot of times we see that the market rises a lot and more people are jumping in. It's something that we're not seeing a lot right now. Everybody's actually fearful of where the market will go and thinking it's going to go down. Historically, when people are feeling that way, it actually doesn't go down. It's a tricky time, and I don't know how much longer the market will go up, but I do know this. Historically, the longer term you're going to have your money in the market, the better it is done. And so if you have money that you feel like you're not going to need for the next 15 years and you're putting that in a market vehicle, that has historically done very well because the markets will go down, but they don't stay down. Typically, they've came back up, and uh, I think that's a, a fair perspective to look at. If it's long-term money, that uh, you're going to be okay with having that in the market. If it's you know less than 10 years, you're going to want to be careful with having that in the market because we don't know how it's going to respond over the next 10 years. Well, that does it for our show today. Join us next week. We'll have Mike Panasis of CLU, Center for Entrepreneurship, on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on iTunes. Search Big Money in the 805. You can subscribe and get the show notes there. Have a great week. Join us again next time. Special thanks to American Pacific Mortgage and Boys and Girls Club of Ventura. You can contact me at marinantha.com, M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com, or allocationlink.com. Thanks again. Bye for now.